Coming to you from Orlando, Florida. Orlando, Florida. And streaming around the world. Around the world. You're now tuned in to the Sales Samurai Podcast, the only B2B sales podcast providing unfiltered, unapologetic views and tactics directly from the sales trenches. Here's your host, Sam Capra. Welcome to another episode of the Sales Samurai. Thanks for listening. Before we begin, do us a favor, take a moment to subscribe and download. On today's show, we're going to be discussing 11 LinkedIn sales tips by the one and only Ms. Bryn Tillman. Bryn, absolute pleasure to have you on the show. How are you? Thanks, Sam. I'm thrilled to be here. How fun is this? <laughs> We're talking about sales. It's got to be fun, right? This is what we live and breathe each and every day. Every right, day. <laughs> it's like not just my work, but my hobby. That is fantastic. I'm glad you brought that because I actually want to talk a little bit about your background. I was doing my little link. You know, we're talking about LinkedIn, so I'm going to do my LinkedIn research. Woohoo. You've been doing this a while. You've been in the sales game for a, I think, back to Kinko's, right? Before before it was fed Wow, you really dove down I, deep. I, I did. I went deep. I had to keep layering the previous experiences. Oh my God, that's like 20 something. It actually goes back even further to Dun & Bradstreet. That is fantastic. Like It's like this endless like stream. <laughs> I'm a bubby. I'm a grandma, right? So I've got lots and lots and lots of experience behind me. That is awesome. But, so I'm always curious, like... Why sales? Like most people don't dream of being a salesperson when they were a young kid. Like what got you into sales? So what got you into sales? What what got you kind of passionate about sales just in general? Yeah. Well, so it's interesting. I think number one, I was a natural salesperson. My first job was a waitress at Friendly's, but I recognized really early on that if they bought appetizers and they bought desserts, I got a higher tip. So I was selling really, really young. Right. Right. But, you know, I went into the hospital, I went to school for, for culinary arts and hospitality management. But, you know, I had a child pretty young and I wanted a nine to five job, but I, I started in an inbound call center at Dun & Bradstreet and I was bored because I was just taking orders. So I started talking to people and I started selling stuff. I wasn't in sales. I just sort of started to sell. So Literally, I won't go through the whole story. Yeah. I ended up working with management to come up with an upselling program when I was like 22 years old. And so it's just in my blood. That is awesome. So you landed at the inside sales gig. You just found yourself kind of selling things as kind of this upsell, cross-sell, whatever you want to call it, and kind of created this uh, entity within Dun & Bradstreet to kind of develop this whole department around it at, at 22 did. years old. Yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> But I did, and it was fun, and it was successful, and I got to, you know, really hone my sales chops because, you know, I was sort of just winging it, right? Because I, I had no real sales experience, and there was no real sales training for me anyway. I mean, right. there were like Sandler was back then, yep. and Miller Hyman for sure, but yep. I wasn't getting that, so I right. had to figure it out. But what was fun is when I was assigned this job to figure out how come my questions were converting people that wanted to buy a $50 product to a $300 product, what was I doing? And then how do we teach and scale that among a center in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania and in Houston, Texas, right? So (laughs) big call centers became solution selling centers. Like we were really Beyond selling and making Dun & Bradstreet money, we were solving problems that our clients didn't even know they had, or right. we were helping to avoid future problems, credit problems, payment problems, based on the information that we had that could help them actually do a much better job vetting clients moving forward. So I won't go into the nitty gritty, but we made an impact. And I never wanted to do anything other than sales after that, mostly because of the value that we were bringing right. to a client that didn't even know they had a gap. You know, it's funny you bring that up, and we won't go on too far of a rabbit hole, but... I know, I, I'm a rabbit hole kind of person. Don't worry, you and me both, but I'm going to do my darndest to, to prevent it. But, exactly. By the ears. So what I love about that is I love the the kind of the, the foundation of that where, you know, most people kind of give sales a bad rap, but that's not like the passion you just expressed me is like, you really found 
the joy and the love in the ability to help people with what you were offered. Like you truly yes. believed there was some value, like not some, there was value in what you were doing for them. And I always like to dig in there because that's not the connotation sales gets for whatever I reason. And, and you know, if I don't know if you know Larry Levine selling from the heart, but he often calls it commission breath, like people can smell it, right? <laughs> Here's the challenge. We go into sales and even at the the first level of BDR, SDR right. kind of sales, we have these KPIs, these key performance indicators that are assigned to us. And if we don't hit them, we are not seen as successful. Those KPIs Someone came out of some big data somewhere and said, you know, if we do enough of these, we'll hit our goal, right? Right. And so this is what we want people to do. Where we miss is we never really sit down and teach the salespeople in the true sense of it is what is the problem we're solving? How are we making an impact in this world? So I'm going to go back to Dun & Bradstreet to kind of close the loop. Yeah. What happened is I was bored, inbound order taker, talking to a woman who was so excited because she just got an order from a huge department store, one we all know the name of. It was a 5A company, like one of the biggest. And she was a little textile company in, I think, Jersey City that like this was her break. She right. was so excited. And she said, I just need, I mean, they're, they're this company, they're a great company. I just need a report for my files. Right. So I pull it up and now I had sight into another report that was called a payment analysis report that showed that that particular company paid textiles 180 days late. Wow. So that Dun & Bradstreet had that insight. She didn't buy that, but I knew she needed it. And I think it was an extra 50 bucks. Right. So I had this conversation and I said, I have data. I can't tell you the information, but I think you need to know this. And once you buy it, I'm going to give you some insights. So she's like $50. Okay. I bought. So she buys it. I said, okay, I'm telling you, they're paying 180 days late. Take this and your contract to the bank and get a bridge loan because if you don't you're going to you know yeah. you're going to have a problem 6 or 7 months later we got a letter from her saying that we saved her company wow now Dun & Bradstreet did an excellent job of teaching me sure the value that these reports could do but they never taught me at the time how to have the conversation that was my you know I that we learned yeah. a lot about product and I was able to take what they taught me and interpret that for a client that saved her business. So that was like this quintessential moment where I recognized I am not an order taker. That's not my job. My job is to identify what is the challenge that the person calling is facing and do I have a solution that will make their business better for it? And that transformed the way I looked at sales forever. And that's where I started. I started with the knowledge that I have the ability to help someone succeed even when they don't know they need it. And when salespeople can really own that in what they do, they will find success because they're not out to make a commission. They're out to solve a problem. Without a doubt. Yeah, because you, those, that background, that whole foundation, that really ingrained you with, hey, let's start with a problem. Let's not start with all the features and functionalities and everything. Let, right. let me understand what the problem is. And then I can figure out if and how I can actually help you achieve or avoid, in that case, a potential problem that's going to be devastating to you as an organization. So I love that. And if you don't do that and you're just selling a commodity. Right you're not going to end up with raving fans, referable clients, or even repeat business. You know, I made that mistake once in this business. And I recognize in retrospect that they came to me and said, I want LinkedIn training. You came highly recommended. We're really excited. What's your price? It was one of the fastest sales I ever had. 
And then, you know, I get into this and I never ask the question, who are they buying from? And when we went to look, the people they were buying from, who are your buyers? Very few of them were on or active on LinkedIn. So I made a sale prematurely because I was all excited and I shouldn't have. And it was fine. Okay. We worked it out. We gave them lots of value. Sure. But LinkedIn was really not the answer for them. The answer for them really was a very, and I'll tell you, they were selling to leads of manufacturing companies, not the owner, like the man, the floor manager in manufacturing companies. We had a really hard time, but they were knocking on doors. So we ended up doing lots of other things for them, but LinkedIn wasn't it because their buyers weren't there. Without a doubt. So we can make a mistake and I, you know, I owned it, right? I owned it, but we can make mistakes because it's an easy sale but we can't if it's the wrong thing for the client. We have to slow down the sales process to make sure that everything that we're doing is right for that client. Without a doubt. So talk to me a little bit about, because you know when we start, because I think you and I, you, I think you get about the same. I'm a grandpa as well. So I know you meant, I think you Yay, might have Isn't it the best thing in the world? <laughs> it is. You look way too young. <laughs> well, thank you. I think it might be in the water down here in Orlando. I'm not, not That's quite it. sure. That's yeah, exactly the, what it the is. The fountain of youth is in Florida. There you I go. Heard that. That's what we'll call it. Sure. But back when we started, there was no such thing as social selling. I don't think LinkedIn came around until 2003, right? 2004. Yes, yes, yep, yep. So social selling is, I don't want to say relatively new, but it wasn't around early on in our career. So what got you interested and passionate about that specific kind of that realm of things, if you will, Bren? So I love that question. And actually, it's going to take me back to Dun & Bradstreet again. I usually don't talk about them often because it was like my first real job out of college. Sure. But I recall sitting across from a client. I loved sales. I loved the people piece. I didn't like the cold calling piece. And I did my share of it. Believe me, I did. But when I was in the field was when and I was one-on-one with clients is where I was my happiest, right? So I recall sitting across from a client staring at his overflowing Rolodex. I don't know if you ever had one. <laughs> Is it the rolling one that you the actually rolling just... Rolodex, right, with all the business <laughs> cards. I mean, right, that's what we had before LinkedIn. And I remember thinking if I could get my hands on that for 20 minutes, I could identify who he knew that I wanted to meet, yeah. ask him for referrals, and I wouldn't have to cold call anymore. Because when I asked for referrals, they'd go, I don't know, right? right? I don't know anyone. So... I knew that it solved a problem. When I saw LinkedIn decades later, I went, this solves my problem. Yeah. I never have to cold call again because I can search and filter and identify who knows who I want to know and leverage my relationships to get warm introductions or permission to name drop. And I never have to cold call again ever. And so I now, like, I don't know, 14, 15 years later, I'm still at this darn thing. <laughs> but it just keeps getting better and better. and. With the shutdown and, you know, the the idea that we still had to do business, but networking, conferences, trade, all gone, Right. everyone turned to LinkedIn and all of a sudden they're like, okay, we now need to use this. Right. But so many people did it wrong. Right. They went out there and they connect and pitch <laughs> and, ugh, it's just horrendous what they've done, but they have done it and it is what it is. But at the end of it, my job is to help people leverage it the right way to start more conversations the same way I did back in Dun & Bradstreet with the role. Like I want the same conversation. They're the same human being. We have to treat the person on the other side of the message the same way we would if they were on the other side of the table. And yeah, I know that was a very long answer to your very short question. No, but it's perfect. No, because I mean, that is a, that's a critical moment in time for you. I'm curious because there has been a lot of changes in social selling, right? Mm-hmm. What has been the biggest evolution? I know LinkedIn is advanced with Navigate and all these little features yeah, yeah. and you know voicemails. Like, what's been the biggest evolution in your opinion, good, bad, and different in the arc, if you will, of social selling since the beginning to now? Yeah, I think it's been a little bit of a roller coaster. There's been some highs and lows and highs and lows, right? You already said Sales Navigator. I think Sales Navigator is the most powerful sales tool available to us today, not just because of the incredible search ability, but the ability for them to alert us on triggers that can help us start conversations and the ability for us to leverage our 
our existing connections to map out how do we get into certain companies and certain decision makers. So I do believe Sales Navigator is revolutionary when it comes to sales. There are other things I will tell you what I think for me, well, let's call it digital sales versus social sales that absolutely was game changing for me was the calendar app, Calendly scheduling app. That's a digital sales tool (laughs) that I am shocked when I talk to a salesperson who doesn't have it yet. Like, what do you mean you don't know what Calendly is? Yeah. You know, and I don't care which one you use, if you use HubSpot, all of them, they're all great. Yeah. But the bottom line is I have lost so many opportunities because of how's Tuesday? That doesn't work. How's Thursday? That doesn't work. Right. Now I'll get pushback because every one of my clients, I'm like, you need to have this. You're like, but some people are annoyed that I'm prospecting them, but they have to do the work. So here's the message, guys. Anyone that's like, no, I would never use it because it's rude. <laughs> right. Here's the pushback. So here's the answer. Sam, I'm really looking forward to chatting with you. Let me know your preferred way of scheduling a conversation. If it happens to be via calendar link, here's mine. Perfect. If you go, hate calendar links, but she <laughs> left it open for me to say, how's Thursday at nine? Okay, fine. But in today's world, if you do not have one, like you are missing huge opportunities because by the time you're back and forth three times, they forgot why they wanted to talk to you in the first place. Without a doubt. I actually 100%, I think there's always that stereo, there's that, to your point, there's that stereotype of, you know, you shouldn't be sending a calendar link, but I think it's all, it goes back to the framing. How are you framing it? That's Mm -hmm. the key behind it is nothing is bad or good linear terms that, hey, that's horrible or that's great. I'm sure there are, but from a calendar link standpoint, I don't think it's definitive that that's a horrible thing to do or that's a fantastic thing. It's how you frame it, Bryn, to your point, that makes it easier for the customer. And that's really what we're trying to do. I am grateful when someone is prospecting me and I say, yep, I'm interested. What's the next step? They send me a link. Without a doubt. So let's jump into it because this is actually offline. You and I were talking about this and this is my savviness around LinkedIn. This is how good I am on LinkedIn. You're good. I, I so fantastic. Two months ago, you made a post and it was 11 LinkedIn tips for sales professionals. And this is one I saved. I didn't know, horrible, that the save functionality on post, like I was like, I missed it. And I, I just, I said, I know Bryn did it. I always start scrolling through your feed to try and find this one post. And then someone said, just save it. And I'm like, well, walk me through that. And they showed it to me. I'm like, so now I have this little repertoire, this little locker of all this great information. I love it. And this is one of them. And I want to dig into it because I refer to this quite a bit, just personally from a business standpoint. So I want to kind of walk through it because this is really important. You put number one, and I was just trying to think through this, convert your profile from a resume to a resource. There's a little bit more to it, but give me some context around that because I'm sure there's some layers to it. So no one cares about your mission, your passion, your years (laughs) in business yet. You got to earn the right. No one cares that you're an account executive at ABC company. (laughs) And no one cares that you're this great negotiator because in fact, that can hurt you. No one wants to work with the the guy that makes Presence Club four times in a row, right? Like that's that's not the part. So who do I want to work with? And this was inspired from a lot of different places, but I'm going to give, today I'm giving credit to, Corporate Visions did a study that said 74% of buyers chose the sales rep that was first to add value or insights and insights, value and insight. Okay. So I went, oh, well, then I should be adding value and insights if that's why three quarters of the people, if that's what they're choosing, I want to be that resource. Right. So part of that study was that was first to add value and insight. First. So how do I get to be first? I need to do this very early on in any relationship that I'm having. So I'm thinking, man, that needs to be your LinkedIn profile. So we need to move this from being a resume, from talking about me and my successes to how do I actually help you, my prospective client. And help, by the way, means that it's valuable even if they never talk to you. It needs, if you think you're helping them by teaching them about your product, you're wrong. That's a pitch. That's not insights. That's, you may call it education, 
That is not being a resource. That's being a salesperson. That's right. why we get a bad rap, right? Right. So what do we need to do? We need to create curiosity and resonate with our buyer. They need to go, ooh, that's my challenge. Right. I'm sucked in now, right? So resonate, create curiosity. We need to teach them something new that gets them to think differently about the way they're doing things today. Our biggest competitor with someone who is not shopping your services is status quo. Quo, Without a doubt. Right? So how are we making that shift? It's up to our profile to start that. We need to earn the right to get the conversation. And we start by providing enough insight and resources that they go, they get me. They understand my challenge. I'm thinking about things differently. And so the last piece of that kind of magic of your profile is there needs to be a compelling next step, right? How do we get them to raise their hand and say, hmm, how do we get them to say, hmm, I want more of that? Right. And that's how we earn the right. When they go, that was really good. So you liked my 11 steps and I got on your podcast. Right. Yeah. Right. That 11 steps, whether you talk to me or not, you found valuable. None of it was how to hire me as a LinkedIn trainer or even how to bring me on as a podcast guest. Right. I earned the right, hopefully, it seems like I have, by providing vendor agnostic value that was enough that created a compelling moment for you to not just save that post by clicking the two dots, the three dots, by the (laughs) way, and then hitting save. Have to always give that. on any post, anywhere, at any time, but had you reach out and say, hey, can you teach my peeps what you're talking about? Anyway, that's value and it has to start with your profile. I'm off my soapbox now. No, no, because it's amazing. And I know we got quite a few to get through, but I want to make one point on this, Brendan, because you bring up a, a fantastic point of this. There's been so many times where I've seen fantastic content. I'm like, man, let me check this person out. And I go to the profile. I have no idea what they do. Like I look at their profile, I'm like, well, that was cool content, but I have no idea what this person does. They talk about four times president's club to all your point, master negotiator, all this stuff. I'm like, well, that's great. I leave they the profile. Never do, right. They do something and it was a great content. So I think what I was left, and this is what you've done, is what your profile should be written for who you're targeting in, audience, in, in yes. layman's terms and the audience, right? How do they get value from what I'm putting on my profile? So I absolutely love that. Number two, because this actually is is really actually how you and I connected. We were talking about this offline. Number two is connect with everyone you meet, speak, or engage with that would add value to your network. Mm -hmm. This seems pretty self-explanatory, but any layers to that that you want to extrapolate from there, Bren? I'm shocked when I talk with salespeople. I'm like, how many people are you talking to today? Five, six new people. How many of them are you connecting with on LinkedIn? I don't know. Are you even checking them out on LinkedIn before your conversation? sometimes like guys there's gold in them their connections yeah there's so much to learn about them when we actually went into offices we'd look around and go "Ooh, they won philly 100 and they what you know oh look they fish with their kids and oh he has owns a boat right and like then i'd go hey my cousin's uncle's best friend owns a boat. Pretty cool. Like whatever, right? (laughs) Right. Find ways to bridge what mattered to them. It's so much easier today. Yep. Go on LinkedIn. What, you know, what college did they go to? And then look up how that football team is doing right now. I mean, there's just so much you can do to connect, right? There's so many things that you could do to connect. So you should do that before every call. I typically will connect before the call and say, I'm looking forward to our call in a couple of hours. I'd love to add you to my network, right? It's already on the books. Yep. Now, if you're cold calling and they answer, it's a follow-up. Great chatting with you today. I love to use LinkedIn to keep in touch and um, provide any value. If there's anything I can ever do to be of assistance, please let me know. Let's connect. And if you talk to them, that's fine. And I would say great chatting with you today. So when you yeah. go back and you look at your your messages, you can remember why you connected. Oh, they took my call. If it's someone relevant for your network and you're relevant to them, right. connect. It's like meeting people. Don't connect with everyone in the world. Just hit connect, connect, connect. Oh, but connect with the people you're having conversations with 
that you're focused on bringing value to now or in the future. We got an inbound lead right, from someone I connected with seven years ago. And I've just, I haven't, I just dropped the ball. I, we had one conversation seven right. years ago. The time wasn't right. Now it was, it came in through the website. When Bill, who my CSO said, when I asked her where did it come from, she said, she's been following your content for years and years and years. Yeah. And now the time is right. So if it's about bringing value, the sale will come when the time is right. And by the way, they're not shopping anyone else. Right. When we said, who else are you looking at? No one. Okay. Right. Right. Why? Because we've been bringing value for so long. Why would they even ask anyone else? That's, you bring up a fantastic, I mean, in the old days, you used to call that rapport building, right? You know, like mm-hmm. you were saying, listen, in the old days, you'd go in the office, see they play golf, you would make a comment about golf and all the other stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And I do love that about LinkedIn. I'm, I'm a big advocate before a call, do research on it. I love the fact that you can learn a little bit about if they're, you know, from a philanthropy standpoint, they're a part yeah. of Habitat for Humanity. Do you have any synergies there? Alumni, there's so much, go- you shared are right, there's so much gold. Shared yeah. connections, you got it, 100%. And I think that, it, so in your world, Bryn, your point is if you're talking to six, seven people, then you should be connecting with six, seven people. Is Absolutely, it is? those okay. are the, right. Not the random people that LinkedIn says you should know. <laughs> right, fair enough. Third is use LinkedIn to learn about your buyers, industry, their clients, and their challenges. I think I understand this piece, but how do you, what's the framework behind that? What's your thought process behind that? There's so much to learn about industry. You can use hashtags to find things. You can find out about their competitors. Look at their clients. So I love to look at recommendations and see what their clients are saying about them. And by the way, it doesn't have to stay on LinkedIn. Go to their website. Look at client testimonials. That when you know what their client cares about and you can have conversations around their client's industry, they're blown away. Here's the biggest problem on with sales generally and on LinkedIn even more is that there's this mass, if we can call enough people, there's like this mass (laughs) number, right? We can call enough people. If we can email enough people, some will stick. Right. But we've lost the personalization side of things. You know, but if you say, hey, I noticed that you got this recommendation from this, that you did this amazing job. Is this an industry that you work a lot in, right? Now, and then I worked with a client years ago in this industry and there were some insights. There's a podcast on that industry that I thought was amazing. I did that with one client. I couldn't find anything in common. They just had, we had, it was a third degree connection. We had no shared connections. He had like 15 connections on LinkedIn, but he had a recommendation, which is probably why he got on LinkedIn in the first place, right? Someone, right? Right. So he had one recommendation and it was in some very strange, not strange. And so I won't say what it is. (laughs) I just called it strange. Some offshoot of an industry that you wouldn't normally think And then I did some more research and I realized that's really who they serve. I went to listennotes.com. I don't know if you're familiar with it, right? And I found podcasts on that topic. And when I reached out, I'm like, you know, I came across this podcast on this topic. It seems like this is what he was blown away. Like that's so personal. Yeah. I spent five minutes. Yeah. Was the maritime (laughs) industry. I know I had to say it. You couldn't hold it back, could you, Ren? Yeah. I mean, it's it's a great industry. Right. But I didn't know anyone that sold into maritime. I didn't even know it was a real industry. Now I do. But I was able to find information around maritime industry that my buyer found to be fascinating. Right. Right. But then I, I made him matter. You're listening to the Sales Samurai Podcast. We'll be right back after this break. 
Sales Samurai is excited to announce the launch of the largest database of B2B sales resources on the planet. 600 plus resources with more added every single day. Search, sort, and filter leading software providers, podcasts, books, blogs, and so much more. The best part, it's absolutely free to search. Go to salessamurai.io to start your search. That's a good point. I mean, what I love about that is we're all about scale in today's day and age, right? Where it's all about scale, 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 scale. We got to do more. We got to do more. And when we do that, the antithesis of it is you lose the person, you lose the personability, you lose the human connection because it's just all canned stuff, right? You're just spitting it out. We have to slow down our outreach to speed up the outcome. You got it. I agree with you 100%. I'm actually going to merge four and five because- I like how I preface four and five is one is curating educational content or curating content that's relevant. And number five is producing content. So I want you to tackle both of those because I think I'm pretty good at curating. I am horrible at producing. So give us a little insight there. I can't think of anything to save my life. Like it's like I almost oh get brain gosh. I'm going to tell you. Well, first of all, you have you are creating content with a podcast. Right? There you go. That's my service to the world. Which is great. But let, curating content is finding great content, not just that you want to share, but that your buyers want to consume. Okay. Right? So one, one of the biggest challenges, I had a financial services client who we just started working together and he curated some content that was really pretty interesting and he put it out there and he got lots of engagement. He was all excited. And so we looked at it and said, well, who's engaging? And they were all other financial advisors, right. not prospects. I said, this is content that you care about, not your buyers. So we have to make sure that we're curating content that our buyers care about, number one. Number two, we have to make sure that when we share curated content, that we put our own little spin on it or why we're sharing it, or we're making the author the thought leader and not us, right? And we want us to show up as that thought leader. I would say curating really good content is great. Make sure that you do it consistently but not overdo it. Like you just don't want, you want to make sure that the content that you're putting out there is relevant. If they see way too much, it feels spammy, even if it's not. Gotcha. Is there a magic number, Brendan, in your world? Like no more than once a day. Okay. And three times a week is fine. Okay. Okay. Number two. Well, second piece is producing content, original content. Start capturing your genius. You are talking to buyers every single day. They are asking you questions. You're answering them. That's content. Content does not have to be full-on blog posts. We don't write blog posts anymore. We get on once a week and we do a live rant on a topic. It gets transcribed. It goes in as a blog post for SEO, mm-hmm. but it's we use the video, right? So it's a vlog with SEO from raw tra- transcript, all the ums, ahs, all the mistakes, I don't yep. care. It's really just for SEO so Google can index it. Capture, nobody's reading, not no one. Most people are listening to podcasts or watching videos. And that's the easiest thing for us salespeople to do. The other thing is polls. And now everyone listening is rolling their <laughs> eyes. I know. Enough with the polls. I like peanut butter and jelly. I get it, right? Like, like I get it, right? But polls used well are amazing discovery opportunities. And if we get them into the inbox of the right people, we can really use it well. Yeah, I am a fan of polls. I am. I think it's a great way to engage. But I think like anything else in LinkedIn's world, I think in general, not just LinkedIn, done in the right way. Like there's value to it. I think now I actually saw, do you want to have another poll? Vote yes or no. Yes or like, no right. it, it's becoming, it's a little bit overwhelming. Do like you, you said, vote the spam. on polls? Yes or <laughs> exactly. no? That's exactly. That's a fun one. How many no's are we going to get? I actually saw a salesperson, which I kind of gave him some credit for being pretty blatant. They're like, hey, would you want to buy my product, which is this, this, and this? Yes, no. And he saw 67% said yeah or no. And I mean, like, there's so many methods to the madness as that I understand the value. But I think to your point, let's make sure there's value behind what you're doing. Absolutely. Without a doubt. This is where I think I've been better is engaging on influencers posts. Just engaging on posts, period. Like I see a great post thinking now by saving stuff, like I've said, I just learned 
I don't have to do it on the fly. Like I can just build up three or four posts and then periodically during the week, I go back to it and I offer up my comments. I love this one. I've been trying this more and more. I want to get your thoughts around this one. Oh, this is one of my favorites. I mean, sometimes we call them magnets, but there are certain people, and I mean, I can name them, right? Like Shari Levitin or Mark Hunter or Jeb Blunt or Jeffrey Gittimer, right? There are people that are attracting the people I want to engage with. I love them. I love their content and I'm all over that. But there's this whole audience of people that are engaging that I can be engaging with as well. And so let's use Jeffrey Gittimer as an example. He does a live every day at 9.59 a.m., right? Every single day. God bless him. It's amazing. And dozens, if not hundreds of people will show up, right? Right. And they're all engaging. So I, I love his content. I engage on his content, but I now look at who else is engaging. So I see Kellen Ann is engaging. So I engage with Kellen. And then I'm like, man, I'd love to have a conversation with Kellen. How do I start this? Well, we both have one thing in common, Jeffrey Gittimer. So <laughs> I will connect with her, Kellen. I see we're both big fans of Jeffrey Gittimer. Did you read his little black book of networking? It changed my world, right? And then we start a conversation yeah. around the influencer. I don't have to pitch all the time. This is not cold calling. This is engaging. Look at it. As if Jeffrey Gittimer is the keynote and we're all in the audience and we're having a good time, it will get there. Slow down the outreach to speed up, you know, to speed up the outcome. It will get there. Start normal human being conversations and just pace it. Right. Right. It'll get there. So on this piece, I wanted to ask you because, you know, there are, like you said, the maritime, and there are some industry, there's some people, like you said, the floor managers, that man, like there's some industries that's hard, like. You look at people's profile and you can't even find influencers and you're trying to engage. They're just not active. Like, how do you go about, is it just one of those type of things and that's just not the right platform? Like, what is your thoughts around that? Yeah, there are times where I will work with someone. They're like, I sell to physician assistants. They're not active on here. They're just not, right? Like, we can search for them. We can see how many are here. They're there maybe to find a job. Maybe you have some shared connections. but. We need to search to see if they're showing up. Now, one of the things that I absolutely love, 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 love about Sales Navigator is there's a a filter called Spotlight. Right. And in that Spotlight, you can choose active on LinkedIn in the last 30 days. I use that in every single one of my searches because if they're not active on LinkedIn, I'm just spinning my wheels. What does active mean? But does that mean that they've logged in or they've actually posted something? Yeah. In this case, it means that they engaged, they liked, commented, posted. Yeah. Okay. So they just haven't logged in randomly. That's they've engaged in some type of something. Yeah. Activity. Okay. I didn't know that. If you go to their activity on their profile, you will see that they've done something in the last 30 days. Makes sense. That's a good, I love the spotlight piece. I learned that as well. I think referring to a couple of your posts as well, the navigator going to the spotlight and understand who's been active. And there's other little filters along the spotlight that I like as well. That's a good catch because that's actually some issues we've had in certain industries I've been a part of. It's like trying to find a a diamond in the rough, if you will, to locate those people. But I think you bring up a good point. If they're not there, they're not there. Like Then then that's not the channel you want to be exposed to. Right, right. Talk to me a little bit about number seven. Take inventory of your existing connections by exploring the list and categorizing them by client, prospect, and referral partner. I know there's a little bit more to that, but walk yeah. me through that. I think this is a good one that I'm actually trying to do right now that I've been doing most today. Yeah. So one of the biggest challenges is we've got all these connections, but we've forgotten who they are. Right. So we need to take inventory. There are two ways to do this. You can do it through search, or you could do it by exporting your connections. You guys can reach out to me directly. I'll give yep. you the steps to do yep. it. I'm not going to kind of talk through them on a podcast, but it's very simple to do. You walk through the steps, you download it. You now have every connection in order in which you connected. So your newest connection is at the top. It's really fun to scroll down to see who your first connection was. I just recently did it. I'm like, someone said that to me. I'm like, I never looked I, in all these years. So I scrolled all the way down. It was Josh Zelkovitz, And I clicked through to his profile. And you know how many connections he has? One. Me. That's it. So I'm like, man, that was a little... It's okay. Fine. 
But so now you have this list, right? And I create a column in the left-hand side and we call it uh, conducting CPR of our connections, breathing right. life back into yeah. them. But it's clients, prospects, and referral partners. Let's take a look. Look at 10 or 20 a day and just mark CPR. Which ones are they? And for you, you may have a different category. You know, I have some that are using it for recruiting. So they'll, mm -hmm. you know, they'll put in that they're a candidate, right? Whatever it might be, pick your categories, take inventory, and reach out and start conversations with all of these people that we've been ignoring. I love that, just the little CPR, like that, that, because I really, and that's, you know, not just for the audience, that's really something I, I looked up and I saw how many connections I had. I'm like, I don't know, I can't tell you the last time I've really engaged in a meaningful conversation with more than 20, 30% of my contacts or whatever mm. the case might be. So going back and through and actually trying to bucket those, but that's what I was struggling with is how do I do that? Do I need to get really granular? But I like your point is let's not try to boil down the ocean. Just let's CPR, right? Client, partner, referral. That's a great quick tip. And then maybe from there, if you want to get more granular, feel free to, but that's a great starting point. Yeah. Now the next one is what do we do with it right. now that I've done this? <laughs> and my favorite because you can't get more personal than this, is to put, pick up your mobile app yeah. and send them a video message. Hey, Sam, it's been a while since we met in Chicago. I hope you're doing really well. I'm wishing you a happy new year. Let me know if there's anything I can do in the new year to support you and your efforts. And I'd love to hear what your goals and what you're up to. Drop me a note, right? That wasn't exactly smooth. But when you do it like that, Clearly, that was not a template. Let, right. Great seeing you. You know, it's been a long time since I saw you in Chicago, right? Like, that's pretty personal, <laughs> right? But if we start to do that, now, what do you do if you come across someone that you don't remember? This is my little fun game. <laughs> if you go to their profile and you click on contact information, you can see the year you connected with them or the right. date. Yep. So I, I don't remember exactly what it is, but... Hey, Sam, I'm not sure if you remember me. We connected back in May of 2015 and I came across your profile and I really just wanted to reach out and say, happy new year. I don't know if you know, but I, you know, I help people with LinkedIn. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out. I'd love to support you in your efforts. And I'd be happy to hear anything that you're doing in the new year that I can support. I'd be better at it than that. I like that nugget. Right? That's a good That's nugget. It. Yeah. Yeah. Now, if I say, I'm not sure if you remember, but we connected back in May of 2015, you're like, I don't remember her. Right. But she clearly remembers me. I don't. I saw the date. Yeah. I don't remember meeting you either. Yeah. I, but the thing I love about that, Brent, is even if I don't, 99% of the time, that the, the reason you brought the date, I was like, well, that's, man, we haven't known each other. I guess we've known each other that long. I'm going right to your profile, which to our original point is it's about me, right? And what you do. Like, I'm going to check out who Brandon, why do we know each other? Oh, I, oh, that's the content I've been liking. Oh, that's awesome. Like the, it all kind of connects. Yes. In this LinkedIn world, if you will. So if you're in sales, do 10 a week, two a day. That's it. It takes no time at all. Yeah. I think we try to overcomplicate it and make, yeah. we rationalize what we can't do that. Number nine, when starting conversations. Uh, almost. When starting conversations, share tailored insights to your targeted connections on an individual basis. Seems pretty self-explanatory, but I kind of uh, already I dropped the yeah I already dropped. You gave the us the nugget. Yeah, yeah. My favorite favorite is look at the content that they're engaging on and go find a podcast in listennotes.com and uh, you know just put in a topic and listen to it. And reach out and say, hey, as someone in this industry, I thought you might get value from a podcast I recently listened to. Totally blown away. That is probably, obviously, people listen to podcasts for education and getting better and understanding their, their own space. But, you know, I think that's a great call out. Like, I listen to my customer's industry's podcast, which happens to be retail, to understand the landscape. And I've actually shared little snippets, tweetables that they put in the show notes. Hey, I listen to this great podcast. Nothing about me. I thought you might find it of interest. They talk about this, this, and this. I saw it in your 10K. Just wanted to put it out there for you. Those things, that's the, the value I think that you're talking about is it's relevant to them. Absolutely. And you're curating tailored content. Right. So we talked about curating content generally. This is about, hey, this is your industry. This is your client's industry. This is the content you're engaging on, you're sharing. I have some additional things I think you might find valuable. 
It has nothing to do with you and what you do, but you're starting a conversation around what matters to them. So number 10, we talked about this. We kind of goofed on this a little bit. Dead. I'm sorry. Is there any? No, because this polls, is there, like I actually did one and I found that it, it really translated very, very well. It was really well received. And I did one three weeks later and I don't think I, won, I got one single vote. Like it, it was kind of the yin and the yang. Like, is there, what are your suggestions around polls? What should it be around? Like help us understand so, that a bit. Yeah. So you have to think about what does my prospect want to vote on? right? What's important to them? So we, I just did a poll, uh, a new client almost never shared any content, shared one piece, and then we did a poll. Brand new in the industry. It's a benefits in- industry. Mm-hmm. Great, great guy, great sales experience, zero, just not, not in the benefits industry. Right. So we did a poll, something around, what do you see as the biggest HR challenge in 2022? And he had four things. Right. And it was incredible controversy. People like arguing a little bit in the, the comments. And he now has over 500 votes. So the key is, and sometimes they fail and sometimes they don't, but they didn't all come to him because he posted it. We identified, I think, 15 or 20 people in his network that he wanted to vote on it. And we sent it to the inbox. Hey, Joe, as an HR professional, I'd love to get your insights on this one on a one click poll that we put out. So we primed the pump. So just because you build it doesn't mean they come. That's a lie. Kevin Costner fooled us. Good old field of dreams. Right. (laughs) You have to invite people. You have to invite them. I think that's a great call out. I think I actually I missed that. That's the reason why I I just put it out to your point. You build it. They will come. That was the mentality. But I like what you said, kind of priming the pump. Hey, who do you really want to vote on that in that wheelhouse that makes the most sense that you're trying to target with it and get the ball moving in the right direction? And then that kind of took on a life of its own, getting 500 votes. Absolutely. How do you follow up from that? Is that just going like, like, what do you do with this? So you have a great poll, just out of curiosity, yeah. Brent. Do you go back through the comments, reach out to people? And like, how do you leverage? I hate the word usually leverage. So as the author of the poll, I get to see who voted. So I will target specific people that voted. And I'll say, thank you so much for voting on the poll. I'd love to get a little deeper insight about your thoughts around this topic. And I'm happy to share, you know, the insights we gleaned from running this. If you're open, let me know. I can either send over a calendar link or you can let me know your preferred way to schedule. And at that point, I don't. I ask permission to send the calendar link. Yeah, I like that. Because but the poll, poll is really the entry point. What I think some people also do is they just put a poll out there and they do nothing with it. And they say, okay, great, I put a poll out there. The it's the follow-up. The point is to start a conversation. There you go. Yeah. That's perfect. And this is the one that I'm trying to get actually better with and I actually, I want to get your, I really want to get your thoughts on this. You said, identify who in your network is connected to your targeted buyers, ask for referrals or permission to name drop. It's my favorite. Well, absolutely. This is like, this is the true gold mind of, like yeah. you were saying, when you were at Dun & Bradstreet, let me go through your Rolodex so I can see who you know. This right. is it, right? Right. So Sam, I really enjoyed working with you. If I'm connected to anyone that you'd like to meet, let me know and I'm happy to make introductions for you. And you know what Sam would say? You do the same thing, right? <laughs> so, right. right. And so now I search Sam's connections. He searches mine. We build a list of people and we have a conversation. And maybe I find 27 people Sam knows that I want to meet. And he finds 34 people that I know that he wants to meet. And we have a conversation. We whittle it down to six each. And then we either make introductions. In this case, I, we do introductions for each other. But my clients too. So who does my client know that I want to meet? And now I traditionally would ask for referrals before LinkedIn. I always did. And I usually got, I can't think of anyone right now, but if, you know, someone should ask, I'd be happy to refer you. Now I could say, you know, Joe and Bob and Sally and Ann and Fred and Nancy. And they go, yeah, I really don't know Nancy, but Sally, she's awesome. She'd be good for you, right? Right. And now the client gives us eight or 10 or 12 names from a list. And now I say, is it okay when I reach out to them so that I mention you're my happy client and you thought I might be able to bring them value? And they go, sure. And now I reach out to the 12 people and, you know, I'm like, 
Sam, uh, Bill McCormick and I were chatting the other day. Your name came up in our conversation and he thought I should reach out and introduce myself. I've worked with him for the last three years and he thought I could bring some insights even if we never worked together. Let's connect and we can set up a time to talk. Now we connect. Thanks for connecting per Bill McCormick's recommendation. Let's set up a time to chat. What's your preferred way to schedule? If it happens to be via calendar link, here's mine or feel free to send me yours. Boom. That is awesome. Yeah. And what I like about that is that I like the permission piece of things. And I, Brent, what is your thoughts on this? I know we're, you've got a million things going on, but I do have one. I want to ask your thoughts on it for the simple fact that like, there's been times you see people are connected, right? Like a, a mutual connection, but I don't really, you know, you'll reach out to them. Hey, I really don't know them that well. Like, how do you work? Is that just a simple, Hey, Hey Sam, is it simple as, Hey Sam, I saw you're connected to Bryn. How well do you know? Or is that somebody you would feel comfortable making it? Like, is that, because I do know talking to a lot of salespeople in my network that that's what they say. Hey, listen, everybody's got a lot of connections, but they don't know everyone. Therefore it's, it's about like- 20%. Okay. So if you bring them 10 people, they're going to know two of them. If you bring 20, they're going to know four. That's about it. And that's okay. Bring a big list, whittle it down to a select few. Love that. So 10 to 20% is probably the the what they're going to be really available to understand, really make a good introduction. Oh, yeah, that, for you. I did the math wrong. It is it's 20% typically. 20%. So okay. Two people, yeah, four people out of 20. Yeah, something like that. I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm not the math. Makes sense. No, that makes sense. And then I'm assuming you write, do you recommend writing that introduction for them? If they're or willing to do the introduction, I like permission to name drop. Okay. And then I keep control of the whole sales thing. Perfect. That's actually a great nugget because I've always asked and I've given them the copy and sometimes they do it. Some, but to your point, you own that. If you just say, I Hey, do you mind? It. I like that. It makes perfect sense. All right. We've covered a lot. We've covered oh, so much. This was so fun. I love it. I love the fact. I love everything about the conversation. So we're going to have this in the show notes. So no one needs to be jotting it down, but how do people get in touch with you, Brand? How do they learn more about you, your services, and things that you do? Yeah, well, you can check out our podcast, Making Sales Social, which would be Big awesome. Big plug, yep. I am the still the only Bryn Tillman on LinkedIn, so you can find <laughs> me there. And you check out socialsaleslink.com. We've got lots of things, lots of free events. Socialsaleslink.com slash events, lots of free events all the time. Awesome. We're going to put show notes in there and make sure that all those links are in there for the audience. Bryn, it was an absolute pleasure having you on tonight. Thanks so so much for being a part of this. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to the Sales Samurai Podcast with your host, Sam Capra. Be sure you subscribe to our podcast and visit salessamurai.io and join the conversation, access show notes, and discover bonus content.